Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Chacho, and I am not a doctor. Possibly high. More on that later. Science AF is the OMG WTF and let me read it off the screen. L-M-F-A-O-A-S-M-P. Look it up. Of science. We just talk about uh, science. We talk about news. Uh, we talk about new studies, new data, old info, whatever we want about science. Biology science. Space science astrology nope but astronomy and uh science af can be found uh well this is a podcast okay it can be found on any podcasting app uh including stitcher or itunes whatever i i apple podcast uh the ones most people use um what is happening over here? Oh, I'm I'm looking at at the uh, I'm looking at the stream from last week, and not the live stream that's happening right now. And that brings me to my next point: Science AF is not just a podcast, but it's a live stream of science on Twitch, and you can join us every. Saturday, or most, around sometime in the afternoon. It's been uh, 6 p.m. Pacific lately that I've been doing it. But, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't promise to stick to that schedule. But you can come and watch in the chat room live. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's in the chat room now. Let's say hi if you are, and, and you can uh, talk some science with me. And, and if not, uh, I'm not hurt by all of you that aren't here. Just so you know that. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about some science. Our first, uh, 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 what do you call them, segment. Our first segment, Gone Viral. I've been changing that name every week. We might stick to this one. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's delightfully almost a pun but just really a reference to social media. Let's talk about COVID like we do every week and hopefully uh, not forever, but for at least the near future, I'm sure we will be. Worldwide numbers, oh man, almost 100 million people have gotten it. Over 2 million have died. I think, you know, we said on this show, a year ago, if this virus gets out, millions of people might die. Well, it did. Um, let's just take a look at these numbers here. Uh, for those listening to the podcast, I'm looking at the WHO numbers, World Health Organization, COVID19.who.int. And it's telling me that uh, the most cases were in the Americas, and the second most were in Europe, then Southeast Asia, uh, etc. The Americas uh, uh, not doing so well. The United States of America uh, has the uh, ignominious distinction of having the highest number of cases in the world. We don't have the highest population, though, so that ain't good. Uh, followed second by India, then Brazil. Uh, Brazil's been doing a terrible job. India, to their credit, has way more people than we do and, and less than half the cases. Uh, Brazil has less people than we do, I believe, and uh, still a lot of cases. Uh, Russian, oh, the Russian Federation. I didn't know they were back. It sounds evil. Okay, what else we got on COVID numbers? Um, uh, oh, this is interesting. I just wanted to point out that this is going to be almost... Here, here's the numbers. The good news is they're starting to come down. The COVID numbers in the United States, the new cases by day, 
are finally starting to come down after what we're really still is the first wave of the coronavirus. Um, and I have to admit that's not 100% because we changed administrations and Congresses, but let's go over to the drawing board here. I just want to point out that for future generations forever, they're going to see a coronavirus chart. Uh oh, that's not the pen. Oh, how do I use this? There we go. They're going to see a coronavirus chart that goes actually more like this and then goes down. And this date right here is going to be Biden Day in the U.S. Uh, I say that it's not 100 uh, percent uh, because of him. Uh oh, can I move this over so you can see it? Oh, that, that, yeah, there we go. Uh, because part of that is is, is a little bit of a uh, a coincidence due to the the, the uh, vaccine being uh, discovered uh, slash invented uh, in in late 2020, and it's going out now. But also part of that is for the because of the disastrous way that the previous administration dealt with this terrible disease and basically didn't give a shit and weaponized it to try to actually hurt Americans that disagree with them politically. Anyway, the point being, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the worst peak of this epidemic is probably going to be on the previous administration's final day in office. Okay, let's see what else we got on the numbers for COVID here. Um, more vaccines in the pipeline. U.S. ramps up efforts. Okay, you probably all knew that. The Trump administration's warp speed was a colossal warp flop. Uh, they shipped, they expect to have shipped 20 million doses by beginning of January. This is a, few, a month old. Um, maybe they did about that, but. Uh, Thankfully, President Biden is trying uh, his best to get as much money and uh, effort behind getting this vaccine out as possible. Uh, let's see. New COVID variants. Could they undermine the vaccines? Short answer, we don't know yet. I've read a lot about this. Uh, and, and, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about the new UK variant, variant, virus, variant, the variant, the virus variant, which I will dub henceforth virant is uh, spreading faster and seems to be deadlier than the uh, early, uh, the normal COVID. And I heard there's a new South African variant that's out there. Um, and these are spreading. The good news is they will probably be covered by the vaccine. Once you gain immunity from the vaccine, it will probably work for these variants because they're very close. We don't know that yet. What we do know is um, people who have gotten COVID are getting it again. And that is because this new variant variant is uh, not close enough to the original. So if you had COVID, basically there's two or three or four new COVIDs out there that could still kill you. So it's still vitally important to be careful out there and uh, 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 keep practicing uh, social distancing and mask wearing. And we'll get through this. It's coming. We're getting close to the point where we can start stop stopping, where we can start stopping. Uh, it's going to happen when the vaccines get out into enough hands. And the plateau, I mean, the, the, the numbers, the uh, uh, curve finally does go down. Uh, right now, it's really, really way too high, unacceptably high. But when the numbers go down, we will be able to go outside again. Um, the false promise of herd immunity, this from nature.com. Uh, look, 
the bottom line is the people that are calling for herd immunity are stupid idiots. Okay, it's generally conservatives who just don't want to pay tax dollars to help the less fortunate uh, in a time of emergency. There is no such thing as herd immunity without a vaccine. We can get there with a vaccine. Why can't we get there without a vaccine? Because the variants that we just talked about, will you will keep getting it if we try to, this herd immunity thing is ridiculous. You, you will get it. You'll get this, you'll get this disease that kills one to three out of a hundred people every year if you don't take the vaccine. Uh, because the variant, a, a new variant will come by and you won't be immune anymore. The, the vaccine, on the other hand, can cover way more variations. It's way more general. Uh, and, and we can get immunity if everybody takes the vaccine. And by the way, is the vaccine a microchip from the government? Uh, seriously, go fuck yourself. It's, it's that is the height of stupidity and if anyone or any source any person in your life told you that the government is trying to microchip people when they're trying to save millions of lives take them out of your life any media source that tells you that don't ever go there again it's bullshit to try to uh, save money for rich people to, to help the poor that's all that, that kind of nonsense is um Here's an article at nationalgeographic.com. Doesn't sound too great, but um, uh, COVID-19 will likely be with us forever. Maybe. Um, we might not ever extinguish this disease. Um, <clears throat> like I said, you can we can uh, uh, have a, a sort of herd immunity with the vaccine and might need to take new vaccines every year like with the flu, but we can get it under control that way. So just a few people get it a year, it might still continue to, to, to move around. The good thing is what tends to happen with diseases like that is after vaccines get them tamped down under control. Uh, how does it look when my disembodied hands get into the picture? If the new vaccine comes out, what am I saying? Uh, the, the, if the vaccine tamps down the numbers enough that we, so that it's more like the cold or the flu, uh, those diseases tend to get less bad over time. Why is that? Because uh, they vary, there's always variants. When, there's, when you have control on the virus and a bad variant comes out, uh, people immediately take notice and they contact trace and they get rid of that variant. It's, it's much like an aggressive dog, right? If you have an aggressive dog that's attacking everybody, everybody puts their attention to that dog. Uh, the, the, the COVID variants that are less uh, uh, lethal and, and might just evolve towards the, the flu or cold, uh, those are the ones that, that will, uh, through natural selection, most likely get through, whereas the bad strains are the ones that we're going to attack first. So this is why we might have COVID with us forever, but with proper vaccination and control uh, 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 as a society over this, we can tame it down to something less deadly. Hopefully. Science. Our next topic. BioMG. 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 Let's take a look at some biology news here's a uh here's a terrifying one and, and wait till you see the video associated with this if you're uh podcasting if you're listening to the podcast pull over now and, and watch this video as i tell you about it because it's terrifying uh, uh giant sandworms have been discovered uh that lived in the sea floor millions of years ago um they burrowed under the silt and sand at the bottom of the seafloor and uh, uh, jumped out and grabbed fish uh, on their way by and, and pulled them other, under, uh, uh, much like the, uh, was it a slug, the snake, the space snake in Star Wars, the, sp the space slug snake, what's it called? Somebody probably knows, but I'm not going to look it up right now. 
this is 20 million years ago and the way they found the, they didn't find the skeletons of worms because there are no skeletons of worms we know very little of worms from 20 million years ago because they don't leave much of a trace uh, but they did find and you can see them in this picture if you're watching the video uh, these little burrows burrows under the sand fossilized burrows fossilized snake tracks worm worm holes and the reason that the, the the holes are fossilized but the worms aren't is is they were uh i guess um uh, uh they, they they leave uh, a certain amount of um uh material uh, biological material in the hole from from its use that that it was able to be preserved uh like a fossil so the Okay, from 319 fossil specimens, the team was able to reconstruct the burrows. The animals lived in L-shaped paths, drilled L-shaped paths into the seafloor, leaving a little funnel at the top. Uh, and anyway, uh, uh, the burrows were about two meters long to two to three centimeters wide. And uh, what is this team? Uh, uh, this is... Uh, this was found over uh, off the coast of Taiwan. Um, so maybe 20, uh, basically evidence for 20 million year old worms. But that brings the discussion, and this is sciencenews.org went here, to modern worms called bobbit worms, uh, which they have three meter long bodies and uh, terrifying, terrifying faces. Uh, this is a, a video of a bobbit worm. Look it up. It has uh, no face, but just a head full of pinchers, and it reaches out, grabs a poor fish, and it does look like the thing from Star Wars very much, uh, grabbing this fish. And uh, this poor fish very confused as to why it's disappearing but beneath the seafloor and uh, being eaten ass first uh, by a worm but uh, scary image and one last gasp oh and it's curtains for that fish um, at least uh, this video is, is several years old so that, that fish died a long time ago um incidentally uh, in uh, sciencenews.org felt uh uh that they must say this as i did as i do too uh felt compelled to say uh that the bobbit worm is named after uh lorena bobbit who is convicting of cutting off her abusive husband's penis in the early 90s um so, uh, well, let's uh, celebrate the bobbin worm. Anyway, the story is uh, giant worms. Okay, what else? We're still in bio mode. Uh, a rare bird is male on one side and female on the other. This is really cool. And you have to go check out this picture if you're not watching the live stream. Uh, this is a rose-breasted gross beak which has pink and black male coloring on one half of its body yellow and brown female hues on the other side uh it's not a it's very much like a chimera if you've heard that word but it's not exactly a chimera it's uh the word is uh gyandromorph uh which are found in many species of birds, insects, crustaceans. Uh, and so they think this is due to a, a, an unusual event where two sperm fertilize one egg that happens to have two yolks. Um, so it's literally like almost like twins growing side by side and fusing together uh, in this bird. It, it, it it's one half of its body 
has uh, a different egg and, and sperm, a different yolk and sperm anyway, uh, egg nucleus. So completely different genetic information on one side than the other, but still uh, is a functioning, healthy bird. Uh, pretty cool. Let's see, after 16 years of bird banding, Powder Mills Avian Research Center has recorded fewer than 10 such birds. Okay, they're pretty rare. Uh, who is it? We're talking about Rector, Pennsylvania. Researchers have spotted this bird. Powder Mill Natural Reserve in Rector, Pennsylvania. Okay, so uh, that's a gyandromorph bird. And I, I went in, I, I did a little research uh, on gyandromorphs. And wow, look at this cat picture. Uh, it, look at some pictures of gyandromorphs. There are some uh, of different species. None, none recorded uh, uh, gyandromorphs uh, human yet. Uh, oh, here's a picture of a half blue lobster. So cool. Uh, a peacock. Oh, that's white on one side and uh, more colorful on the other side. A, a red and white cardinal, like right down the middle. Oh, man. So cool. Oh, there's more here. An insect that's, I think, uh, a different uh, intersex as well. Uh, okay. Very cool, these things. Uh, I, uh, uh, just to uh, button this up, uh, I did look up uh, uh, intersex. Um, and uh, uh, so gyandromorphs, are, are, that doesn't show up in humanity, uh, in humanity, in people, but uh, many different types of, uh, of intersex categories actually show up in people. Just uh, a shout out to our, our trans friends. It is a, intersex is a actual scientific thing. People can be both. Uh, and that's not the same as gender identity, but uh, people should be allowed to have anyone they want. That's based in science. Okay, one more, uh, one more bio story. Fossilized butthole gives us a rare window into dinosaur sex. Uh, that's that's right. The first dinosaur butt ever has been found. Uh, it's a big day. We've been waiting for this day for a long time. Ever since uh, I I, uh, I played with my my young my plastic toy dinosaurs when I was a kid, I've wondered when scientists would find the first dinosaur butt. And here it is. It's a cloaca from a Sitacosaurus, a Sitacosaurus specimen from uh, the Senekberg Museum of Natural History. Where is that? University of Bristol. Um, oh, Germany. Seckenberg Natural History Museum of Germany. Jacob Vin Vinther, a paleontologist at the University of Bristol, uh, realized that uh, its private parts were unusually preserved, it being this uh, dinosaur fossil that was found. So uh, it, this doesn't always happen, but because sphincters and cloacas are uh, flesh, not bone, but this happened to be preserved. I don't know why. I think it was in some amber or something like uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, Jacob Fintner probably now has a cane with a piece of amber and a preserved butthole in the middle of it. Um, welcome to Cloaca Park. Uh, if you're wondering what a cloaca is, uh, here's a nice artist's rendering, uh, for, thanks to popular science. Uh, it's it's a it, it, it's 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 like a butthole, but it's also a pee hole and a sex hole. It's all the holes in one. It's a three in one. Uh, it's like uh, uh, a shampoo with conditioner in it. It's it's one hole for all expelling of stuff and uh, for all for taking in um, yeah, sperm as well. Um, 
let's see. It's the Swiss Army knife of back ends, says Vintner. Uh, great. Um, and 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 so dinosaurs had cloacas. Still, like uh, cloacas still exist today. Most birds have them. Uh, I think probably all or many fish, um, and uh, a lot of lizards have them. Even a few mammals. Um, and uh, I did a little bit deeper dive into cloacas. So now, well, here's a picture of the, in extreme detail: right lateral tip, left lateral tip, dorsal lobe. Um, okay, cloacas are, are, are uh, complex scientific uh, organ. Uh, uh, organ, uh, and and I looked up cloaca on Wikipedia. And uh, in case you're wondering, oh, well, here's some pictures of a female cloaca and a bird, a male cloaca and a bird. So most birds don't have penises and vaginas; they have a male cloaca and a female cloaca. It, it, it's interesting to note that humans have a cloaca when they're in 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 in, in fetus in vitro in in utero in utero uh when, when you're a fetus when you're a zygote when you're a little when you're first forming inside uh, uh your mama's belly or a test tube uh you have a cloaca for a few days maybe a, maybe a week uh and then it generally turns into uh, male or female, or or, or in, in a lot of cases something in between. Um, and finally, I know you're wondering. There's no penetration. Uh, there's no penis on on these things, things that have cloacas. Like I said, no penis, no vagina. And so, how do they mate? With a cloacal kiss. Um, Let's see, I should find KISS. I'm going to search for KISS. This occurs. Uh, birds that mate using a cloacal KISS method touch their cloacae together. Uh, in some species, only for a few seconds, which is sufficient time for sperm to be transferred to the, transferred to the male and the female, from the male to the female. Uh, some birds, like ducks and swans, do have little weird dicks, um, but uh, uh, generally, cloacal kiss. That's bio. Next topic: space madness. Let's see what's happening in the world of space. Um, okay is it there it is nasa detects an fm radio signal from ganymede cool man they have 98.6 the hits on the moon of on jupiter's moon ganymede uh, the judo spacecraft in fact got a little bit of a uh a, a deferral a, a an extension um it, its death sentence was put back a few weeks because of this, possibly more. Um, the Juno spacecraft was meant to be decommissioned, and uh, NASA granted, you know, the people that are communicating with it uh, extra funding to keep it alive a little longer. Why? Because it found a radio signal on Ganymede. Uh, you know, hey, if every space probe found a radio signal, they, they would still be alive today, too. Um, anyway, Juno went, was, was circling Ganymede. Ganymede, by the way, is a moon, but it's a planet-sized moon. It's bigger, in fact, in size than Mercury. Little small, uh, a little less in density. I mean... Um, yeah, a little less density than Mercury and a little less mass than Mercury because of less density. But it's bigger than Mercury. It's a planet-sized moon. Uh, so the probe was flying around it. It, And it heard five seconds of a radio burst when it crossed a polar region of Jupiter where the giant planet's magnetic field interacts with Ganymede. So... Uh, 
as five seconds of static, basically. What does that mean? It doesn't mean they have intelligent life on Ganymede. I assure you it doesn't mean that. Um, that doesn't mean there's not life on Ganymede. We, it's very probable that there is some sort of microscopic microbial or fungal life or something on Ganymede because um, pretty hospitable place actually um, compared to most of the universe. Um, so anyway, uh, a few seconds of static from Ganymede uh, uh, probably had something to do with um, uh, uh, magnetic fields and energy fields. And uh, it, both Jupiter and Ganymede have uh, uh, auroras like the Northern Lights. Um, uh, uh, Jupiter has a lot of static electricity in terms of uh, electrical storms. Uh, so it's some it's some phenomena it's some natural static slash electricity thing happening around Ganymede almost certainly but what we don't know yet okay that's from nerdist.com what else we got uh, this is from sciencenews.org space station detectors found the source of blue lightning blue jet lightning um, Okay, blue jet lightning is a rare phenomenon that happens uh, uh, in, in, in lightning storms. We all know lightning storms shoot uh, static electricity down towards the Earth. Actually, to be more specific, Earth shoots lightning up towards clouds, and that is because of a differential in static charge, basically. Uh, just like when you, you shuffle around in socks on a, on a dry winter day. Um, there's a discharge of electrons from the place that has more electrons, the Earth, to the place that has too little, the clouds going over. That's how lightning works. Usually uh, there's something called blue jet lightning that is like a giant bolt that goes up, not down, from the top of a thunderstorm. And wow, they look cool. There's a picture of one here. Um, they are super serious, uh, 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 bluish tinged uh, uh, jet of electrons that go probably down, but uh, uh, basically from the top of an electrical storm straight up into very high atmosphere clouds above it. Uh, that could be many kilometers away. Um, and I say basically down, it's probably the electrons are probably moving down, but it looks like a shot that goes up from the, uh, the lightning. And I, I was reading this article in uh, sciencenews.org, and it mentions uh, understanding of blue jets and other upper atmospheric phenomenon related to thunderstorms, such as sprites and elves. What the hell are sprites and elves? I looked that up, and I had no idea. Uh, but there are things called sprites and elves that are electrical phenomenon that, that that surround thunderstorms. A sprite, let's see. It, I'm looking at albany.edu. Uh, uh, there's a picture. Just uh, search for red, uh, red sprites, blue jets, and elves. Uh, red sprites are large but weak luminous flashes that appear directly above an active thunderstorm. Uh, so those are more like uh, uh, reddish, they're cl more cloud to cloud. Uh, blue jets are a uh, distinct from sprites and first discovered in 1994. Uh, optical ejections from the top of an electrically active core region of the thunderstorm but not directly associated with ground-to-cloud lightning. Don't know exactly what that means, except it, it doesn't hit the ground, I guess. Um, propagate upward in a narrow cone. Okay, that's red sprites, blue jets. What about elves? Elves are rapidly expanding up to 300 miles across disc-shaped regions of light luminosity, lasting less than a thousandth of a second. It's a big circle 
It's a big luminous circle that appears above a storm for a less than a thousandth of a second, for just less than a blink of an eye, literally. Uh, uh, else most likely result when an energetic electromagnetic pulse in EMP propagates into the ionosphere. EMP, that's what they used in Ocean's Eleven to shut down the casino for a minute. Uh, it's a pulse of electromagnetic radiation that can uh, draw elves in the sky and take down casinos in the blink of an eye. This has been Space Madness Poetry Hour. Next topic, climate countdown. Oh, man, let's hurry through this. Uh, using reishi mushrooms to filter methane out of the atmosphere. Uh, well, this is research th uh, on uh, this mushroom that can pull methane out of the atmosphere, like I just said. Uh, uh, methane and carbon dioxide are two greenhouse gases. But methane is way worse. Uh, it turns out uh, 28 times worse uh, a, a, in terms of global warming than carbon dioxide. So uh, we as a human species have a, a real uh, uh, motivation to get methane out of the air. At least, you know, we, we, we want some of it there, but not too much. Um, so fungi grow as webs of long filamentous structures composed of interconnected cells called hyphae. Hyphae, hyphae, hyphae can extend through the soil and other environments, uh, including the air. And uh, they can grab uh, a special type of protein called hydrophobins is dispersed along the outside. So basically, uh, uh, they're, they're just long tendrils that can pull things out of the ground or air, probably water too. Um, they, they're, they grow and, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of fungi will pull metals out of the ground. Um, didn't we talk on this show about one that, that takes nickel? Maybe not. Uh, uh, some plants pull nickel out of the ground. Uh, the funguses can do the same. Uh, these fungus, in particular, are really good at pulling methane out of the air and breaking it down. That's awesome. We need methane out of the air. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm just talking in circles here. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can make a lot more of these Mushrooms, put them everywhere, cover the planet with them. Maybe it would help. Um, G. lucidium performed even better uh, dead than alive. Uh, so they, it can actually capture methane after it's dead. So we probably use these uh, 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 fucking things to um, make air filters and fly them around and catch the methane out of the air. What else about the climate can we talk about? Uh, more fungi. Can some fungi clean up plastic pollution? Um, well, there, this was an experiment done in Lake Zurich. Pretty cool that they they collected a bunch of plastic and then they they uh, 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 collected all the funguses that were growing on the plastic, basically, and uh, it started growing those funguses in a lab. Um, Okay, none of the 13 fungi that they found on the plastic could decompose polyethylene. However, four of those could degrade polyurethane. Um, I'm not sure the difference between polyethylene and polyurethane. They're both uh, plastics derived from uh, fossil fuels, I believe. And anyway... They found four of these little mushroomy funguses that can eat polyurethane. It's a start, um, and it's pretty exciting that 
they just grabbed some cups off the 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 Lake Zurich shore and found these funguses. They're naturally occurring. Hopefully, we can uh, uh, use those uh, uh, use this information to start taking care of the plastic problem. Uh, okay, one more climate thing. This this pisses me off so much, but <laughs> it's kind of true. Turn off that camera during virtual meetings to save the environment. <sighs> okay. Uh, sure. Turning off your, your camera during a meeting is going to create, is going to use less energy, uh, use less uh, router, use, use less internet, use less uh, uh, whatever backbone, um, slightly. But, uh, fuck this study. This is at sciencedaily.com. Uh, sure. What they're saying is um, that, that a lot, since, since we're using the internet more, the internet's taking, up, taking more energy. Uh, gee, that's interesting. But uh, it does note here that uh, one hour of video conferencing emits 150 to 1,000 grams of carbon dioxide, whereas a gallon of gas emits eight, almost 9,000 grams. Uh, uh, basically what that means is, uh, yes, using Zoom for a meeting takes some energy. It takes way less. It's way less polluting. Nine times, probably more than that, less than driving. Uh, if you drove to your meeting, it would be way worse uh, than using your camera. And look, um, it's true that if all of us just sat with our hands in our lap and stared at walls for the rest of our lives and took our food through an IV drip, it would be the lowest economic impact possible. But we're not going to do that. We're not, they, we're not going to take down the internet and we're not going to convince people to turn off their, their damn uh, uh, video feeds uh, because it takes some energy. Uh, the real solution is we're adding more and more renewable energy, uh, solar, wind, tidal, every day. Uh, large percentages of the world use solar now um, and, and, and renewables. And, you know, the more the more renewable energy that we kick into the system, eventually it's going to be 100%. And we shouldn't be uh, 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 ashamed for using video if we can power it uh, freely with solar. But, again, the headline, uh, you know, is true. You'll, less, you'll lose less energy, uh, which means using less which means e emitting less carbon dioxide, which means using less water for coolant and, and things, uh, if you turn off your camera. Am I going to do it? No, I don't think that's uh, serious at all. Um, okay, let's see. We have uh, uh, one more thing here, basically, and, and then uh, 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 we're going to do a common nonsense segment. But let's do Eye on Science. Eye on Science. We're, we're going to put our eye today on uh, uh, loneliness and talk a little bit about uh, the effects of uh, uh, loneliness and boredom on the brain. Um, there, this is uh, from ScienceDaily.com. Uh, loneliness does actually affect your brain. Um, being lonely changes your brain. That's alone doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's, it's better or worse. Probably kind of worse. Um, but a, a, a new study shows that a sort of signature in the brains of lonely people, uh, th there's a signature that makes them distinct in fundamental ways based on variation in the volume of brain regions, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. They did uh, asked 40 thousand middle-aged and older adults to self-assess their level of boredom blah 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 
They looked at the differences of lonely people and their brain. Um, okay, so there was uh, several differences in the brains of lonely people. These manifestations were centered on what's called the default network. Uh, okay, brain regions involved in inner thoughts, such as reminiscing, future planning, imagining, and thinking about others. All kind of sound like things you do when you're lonely. Basically, that means if you're alone a lot, you spend a lot of time thinking about others or reminiscing about the past, those parts of your brain get stronger, literally bigger in your brain. Uh, the gray matter volume in regions of the default network was greater. You get more brain. Basically, if you think about, if you reminisce too much about the past or think about too much about people you miss, your brain... Uh, changes to do that better and you might not want to be reminiscing better you might want to stop reminiscing get out meet new people uh talk to people online not on parlor uh jo join uh, uh uh you know a, a, a group that uh, helps the community uh, uh you know a bike riding group you can go out for a walk and say hi to people uh, as long as you have your mask on. Uh, okay. Related to that, this popular science has an article. There's a right and wrong way to be bored. Okay, we're all kind of been bored this year for the past almost year. I have been bored silly. Um, but uh, 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 there's some benefits of boredom, according to PopSci, popular science. Um in recent years, a spate of articles have pointed out that boredom can be a good thing. It can make you more creative, help you pursue new goals, keep you curious. Uh, and as an uptick in science, science interest in boredom has shown boredom can really have its benefit. An uptick in science interest from boredom, okay? Um, so you can be bored and... Uh, it's okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, a study from the 70s suggested that getting bored can make you more creative. Uh, 21st century research said back that up. Um, so there was this study where people were asked to do a creative activity. First, they made them bored. They made them extremely bored. Bored, bored, bored. And then they asked them to do a, an activity, something like creative with cup, plastic cups. They found that the bored people did better at the creative task than the normals, not boards. Um, instead of saying I'm bored when I'm stuck in traffic, I'll put music on and allow my mind to wander. That's a quote from Sandy Mann, a researcher uh, who co-authored that 2014 study. Um, and I let my kids be bored too because it's good for their creativity. Somewhat. Not all boredom. You don't want to be bored all the time. But letting yourself not do anything except think, it's a great idea. Taking a little drive with the music on or a podcast or just your thoughts is fine. Uh, often if you're trying to write something or come up with uh, a new creative breakthrough for whatever creative project, just walking away from it and thinking for a little while is a great way to uh, 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 f find a new direction. Um, but there's a downside to boredom. Um, chronic boredom, which researchers call trait boredom, can be destructive. It tends to lead people to... Uh, uh, risky behaviors such as gambling, dropping out, binge drinking, drinking. Um, boredom prone folks tend to be more depressed and anxious. Maybe I'm more bored than I thought. Uh, this is the inevitable downside of boredom. Uh, uh, getting novelty seeking. If you're bored, if you're bored by everything, you have trouble holding a job, and you might have trouble. You might seek more and more extreme uh, 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 weekend X-game activities to combat your lack of excitement. Uh, 
As long as you can engage in a healthy way, boredom prompts you to engage in beneficial behaviors. Um, okay. Now, let's see. Uh, uh, the Sandy Man recommends trying to retrain yourself to think of downtime, whether it's waiting at the grocery store or doing a monotonous chore, not as a waste of time, but as an opportunity to zone out and relax. Uh, Stop thinking of downtime as inherently bad and not require the constant distraction of your phone and computer. Okay, but, and then there's one line here that I wanted to talk more about. Sandy Mann recommends having a digital Sabbath. One day of a week, turn off your screen and engage with your physical surroundings. Okay, look, uh, I agree that uh, sometimes just being letting yourself think is a good thing but this is not not to target uh, uh this researcher and author sandy man who wrote the science of boredom sounds like a great book but it just is going to lead me into our final segment common nonsense okay uh i was just triggered when she said turn off your screens for a day uh, because is screen time bad for you or bad for your kids? Every single uh, newspaper, uh, blog, uh, 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 politician, uh, parent, everyone knows it's true that screen time is bad and you should relate it. Where, what does the science say? Nothing. Nothing. There's never been a, a conclusive uh, link between more screen time and anything bad. Kids are not hurt by screen time uh, is the headline in Scientific American. Um, uh, parent, kids spend a lot of time looking at screens and parents worry, but a new study argues against that apprehension. Uh, we, we hear this message a lot that uh, uh, social media and digital technology is causing harmful problems like depression suicide related behaviors why do we hear that all the time um there is a lot of correlation with screen use and suicide and depression because suicide and depression have been up over the past decade uh amongst teenagers and also uh, in general population uh that's not fun it's not good but it's not necessarily caused by screen time it's correlated we look at we look at screens more now is a correlation with people seem to be more depressed and anxious today but it's not necessarily causation what about the the the, the rise in in in, in right-wing nationalism the rise in racism uh, the, the rise in uh, politics of, of fear. Those could be causal or correlated. Uh, we don't know. Just because two things don't go up does not make them causal related. Uh, it's like saying, uh, well, actually, the date, the year has gone up every single year. It, it goes up one uh, and for the past decade people have been reportedly more depressed and anxious so does that mean that the number of year it is is directly cause of, of increased depression no they're just two numbers that are going up at the same time there are no conclusive studies that screen time hurts kids or adults uh, it's uh, the dangers linked to screen time for babies, kids, and teens are well known, but is screen time really what's causing them? Um, this is from Slate.com, which goes on to argue the same thing. They, there is no evidence that screen time is uh, is causing the uh, uh, kids to be antisocial or 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 anything else. Um, 
The arrival of smartphone has radically changed every aspect of teenagers' life. That's true. There's dozens of studies probing correlations between screen time and behavior, but correlation is not causation. Uh, and it's not clear that screen time actually causes depression or anxiety. Uh, like I said, that's ca it's causal, not it's correlation, not causation. Um, let's see, where is the, what do we really know about kids and screens from APA.org? Um, Let's see. It's easy to forget how quickly these issues have evolved. The, the first generation iPhone was introduced only 13 years ago. Uh, the same year Netflix introduced streaming services. iPad just saw its 10th birthday. Uh, uh, anyway, all of those things are correlated, but not causated, at least not proven to cause any sort of uh, depression, anxiety. Um, some critics charge that the research backing up the guidelines is correlational cross-sectional or studies lump in all screen time together in one category or that, although it seems unlikely that video chatting with grandma for instance would have much in common with playing Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto being way more fun than talking to grandma uh, and therefore better for you Uh, th there was one study that showed a U-shape that um, that some screen time is actually beneficial. Zero screen time is possibly the worst for kids, especially when uh, they are adapting to uh, uh, society and, and learning social behaviors. Um, keeping technology and keeping communication out of the reach of teenagers could be way more detrimental than letting them uh, play GTA for too long. Uh, there, there's been studies that show that uh, students are happier when they're texting with friends, not more depressed or anxious. Uh, some things like reading the news might make you depressed, but things like uh, talking on a text chain might make you feel connected to the people around you. Uh, 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 it, it's you know playing a, a freemium game might be a little bit of a waste of a time but reading wikipedia and learning stuff watching uh youtube videos that teach you how to use photoshop uh there's a lot of things on the internet that are very beneficial to see and increase both uh, uh one's knowledge and one's intelligence and one's social uh, uh, well-being. So why do we keep hearing uh, uh, that, that screen time is bad for you? Limit screen time, limit screen time. Uh, it might be true that too much is too much, but really it's just a new thing. It's really just fear of the new. And look, this is one of my pet peeves, is every time a new technology comes out, people will breathlessly tell you how it's ruining children. They said it about television when I was a kid. They said it about the telephone uh, in, in previous generations. They said it about radio. They said it about the, the hi-fi stereo system. Uh, uh, they said it about, you know, uh, phones, the internet, everything that new that comes out that a new generation starts to use that the old generation is not used to using immediately it becomes bad it's not science it's just a knee-jerk reaction people have um, uh, can these writers say that the screens are disrupting normal brain development with any degree of certainty uh, uh, basically no it, it goes on to say uh, being a little uh, so much of what we're talking about are in, in, 
to induce parental guilt. Um, Trying to find this study. These are successfully performed controlled experiments using music. Um, what constitutes screen time itself? The cognitive resources required to watch television versus play a first person shooter game or play PS3 are quite different. Um, it means the. the so basically, it, it's hard to define what even screen time is. Uh, just saying less screen time uh, is is not uh, scientifically uh, a, a good way to um, make people happier. And um, no screen time at all, I think, is very detrimental uh, to children's uh, development. Um, they need to be uh, – look, look we're, we're, we're entering a new – this is almost a singularity of, of uh, social interaction. Uh, the, the new normal for talking to friends is going to be, it's, it already is texting and video chatting. It might be something different in the future, but uh, uh, not letting your kids use the normal way to, to make friends is child abuse. Uh, it is the normal way that to make friends and interact now and they should be able to have some uh aspect of that in their lives or else they're going to grow up to be anti-social weirdos like anyone who'd never watched tv as a kid um let's see moving beyond screen time this is from livescience.com uh Reports of screen, the most common way to access media use are terribly inaccurate, total viewing time. Um, human screenome project. They're calling for a human screenome project. Uh, okay, well, um, basically I couldn't find any conclusive study that screen time was bad. I found a lot of them saying that all of the hysteria you've heard about screen time is not backed up by any science. And why, I, I went down a little bit of a Wikipedia rabbit hole because uh, it's called, this is the formal fallacy. It's the idea where, or it, it is a formal fallacy. Uh, uh, it, it has to do with deductive reasoning. Um, the idea is people start with the conclusion that's bad bad science starts with the conclusion the conclusion being new technology bad and then they go backpedal from there and try to prove the conclusion uh, uh, use, which which is uh, uh, deductive reasoning deductive reasoning is when you try to prove what you already think is true uh, that's not science. Science is inductive reasoning, where you don't know what's true yet, and you try to find out what's true through experimentation, rather than starting with the conclusion and trying to work backwards to prove it. Uh, there's a, another thing here called, uh, sure, I just looked up the word surefire in Merriam-Webster, but certain to get expected results. Uh, that's what they're doing with a lot of these screen time studies is they're certain to get the correlation they want. Why? Because the reason that I already said is that the uh, 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 we know that depression and anxiety has been going up without fail for the past couple decades every year a little bit. Uh, it's gone up a lot this year, I know. But uh, it just it, the, the depression and the anxiety scale go back to the drawing board for the ending here uh the depression and anxiety scale uh, uh goes slowly up and slowly up and slowly up and that's just what we know of society i'm, I'm sorry i drew it going down it should it should always be going up but um it also 
the screen time use of everyone, young people and adults, is also going up, up and up and up. Uh, so you, it's it's a sure fire result when you when you try to do a screen time study and you go, oh, I wonder if there's any correlation between depression and screen time use. Yes, there's fucking correlation between depression and screen time use. We know they're both going up. That's a surefire conclusion. Is there causation? No study, no data. We don't know, no data. I say probably not. I think screen time use uh, is probably uh, going to continue to go up and I think will more likely than uh, uh, become more depressed and uh, anxious I think we will become more learned and knowledgeable as a species uh, as we connect even closer uh, 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 through, through new technologies and we learn more information. Okay. Science AF. This has been Science AF. I've been Science AF. Uh, Dr. Dave Chacho, the floating head of Dr. Science AF. Science is fun. I am not a doctor. Um, you can uh, uh, check out our website, gravyday.com. Actually, uh, the, the podcast website is scienceafpod.com, which is on the Gravy Day Network, uh, which is gravyday.com. Venmo us if you like the show at Gravy Day. Send me a couple bucks. If you have extra to spare, I could use it. We have a Patreon that's just starting up patreon.com slash gravy day where we'll be showing these we'll be posting these uh, uh, live stream episodes and uh, even an Etsy shop etsy.com slash shop slash gravy day where I'm selling 3D printed uh, inventions and gadgets that I made myself uh, for instance wow can, can we is this going to work oh jeez screensaver just turned on uh, I invented this little gadget that you can barely see because of the green screen filter I have on. Uh, but it's called Whose Turn Is It? It uh, switches back and forth. It's a mechanical switch that has two people's name on, uh, burned right in the front, customizable. And you can flip it back and forth to keep track of whose turn it is to either play a, a board game or do the dishes or make dinner, buy drinks, whatever it is that two people can take turns at check out the etsy store again is etsystore.com i mean etsy.com slash shop slash gravy day thanks for listening this was a little over an hour we've been going for a while now uh maybe too much stuff packed into this episode um but uh but i need i need like an outro line uh, when, when we were doing the science church jerks, it was, let's do some science. But uh, we'll just say that it's... Uh, science, science AF. AF. Science AF. That's enough science, science for now. Science AF. Science the shit science out of us. Science AF. Science is fuck. Science.